We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. And joining us is one of their hosts, Doran Dickerson. He's a former Buffalo Bill. He played here in 2012. Doran, thanks so much, man, for joining me on your Saturday afternoon. I really appreciate it. No, thanks for having me. It's a nice day out, and uh, I love Buffalo, and I'll do anything for Bills Mafia, for you, for anybody who is affiliated with Buffalo. So uh, one of the best times of my life, and I am excited to be uh, on your show right now. Well, Doran, listen, you know, it's funny. I, I know I was on with you last year, week one, um, <clears throat> when you guys were doing pregame, and I don't, I can't remember at the time if I told you, but 2012, when you were with the Bills, um, that would have been me, my my sophomore year of college um so this would have been prime season ticket holder version of me um you might have been like one of my like like low-key underrated like me pounding the table for you kind of guys like i just remember it was you scott chandler lee smith like that room and you had i I think i remember at the time me going like yo this is Delaney Walker vibes. We got like the H back, the true number two athletic tight end. Um, you're only here for a year, but like, listen, trust me when I tell you, like, you still live in Buffalo Bills, like drought lore. Like you, you, it, it's funny how there are players that Bills fans sort of gravitate to, like the underdog. And there was just something about you that year. Um, and and like I had to go back and look at the stats because I just felt like you had a bigger impact than you really did. You just you were a, a memorable player for me in that one year. Uh, but I just I couldn't remember if I told you that back when we chatted. Uh, but I was a big Doran Dickerson fan back in the day. You know what? I, I really appreciate that, and I actually like low key get that a lot from Buffalo Bills <laughs> people. Like it's not I a surprise. Like, Man, I, I I I'm like wow. Like I I guess I did make some type of impact, not on the field, but just as a like a you know, enamored player. But, you know, I got, I got brought there because my uh, college coach, Dave Wanstead, was yep. uh, the linebacker's coach. And Doug Whaley, who was uh, ended up being the head GM, was assistant GM. He's a pit guy, too. So uh, I remember Wanstead calling and being like, hey, Chan Gailey's looking for a move tight end. And, and Wanstead was like, I, you know, I'm obviously the perfect one is Doran. Uh, you want to come up here for a trial? And I'm like, uh, yeah, like, let's do that. And literally two days later, I was on the Buffalo Bills, and, you know, things were trending in the right direction. Uh, you know, I'm going to be honest right now, uh, you know, throughout the tenure and even throughout camp. And then I remember, like, halfway through camp, um, I was getting a lot of touches. I was a part of the offense. I was running with the ones, doing all this and that. And then something switched, and, uh, you know, it, I started, you know, not getting as many touches. And I was like, what's going on? Am I even going to make the team at this point? So, uh, I, I guess, you know, Chan Gailey and – uh, you know, the offense staff felt that they wanted to go to more traditional route and, you know, have Scott Chandler and Lee Smith as a blocker. 
Uh, but I still loved, loved my uh, tenure at, in Buffalo. I loved the people. I loved, uh, you know, it's only three hours away from Pittsburgh. Um, I will always be a, a huge, huge Buffalo supporter. But that was one of the funnest times of my life. And, uh, you know, I remember it vividly. And I, I appreciate the, the awesome comments, Nate. No, my pleasure, man. Listen, like I said, it's you know, it's actually not a surprise to me at all that if you've talked to former Bills fans, like the diehards, like you're exactly the type of player that people, especially during the drought era, would like gravitate towards. Especially like a lot of the UDFAs that came in here. Like there were names that like and, and another one that I think a lot of people like James Hardy. And I, I don't know if you would have crossed paths with Hardy um there in Buffalo, but like guys like that that were kind of underdogs that really kind of like they just felt like Buffalo guys. I, I'm not surprised at all that I'm not the first one to mention something about your time in Buffalo being memorable to them. It's it's just kind of funny how this how this franchise and its fans we gravitate towards like the guys that are easy to root for. I think you're just really an easy guy to root for, man. Yeah, no, it, 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 honestly, I know that uh, you know this is kind of crossing paths too, but it reminds me of Pittsburgh, and that's what I just like felt at home. Like like I said, it's only three hours away from Pittsburgh. You know, it's cold, it's gritty. Um, you know, they love their people. They're very loyal. So, you know, it's just, it's very identical, uh, Buffalo is, to Pittsburgh. And I just, you know, I, I would – I even tell – and I met my, my wife, uh, you know, who I've been with 10 years, 2012. I met her. No kidding. The day before – day before I got signed by Buffalo. And we talk about, like, how she would drive up to Buffalo to see me all the time. And uh, that's probably the number one reason why I probably love Buffalo. But we talk all the time, and we have three kids now. That in in a second, if I got a job in Buffalo, we would move back there, like, right now. Like, we would pick up and move our whole family to Buffalo because that's how much we love the Bills. That's how much we love Buffalo, the city. It is just – it's really unbelievable. That's awesome, man. Well, we appreciate the love here, and uh, and obviously we know you appreciate it back, and that's just that's just kind of how this community rolls, man. And, uh, you know, listen, I, I want to get into some ball talk with you because I think um, the Steelers are entering such an interesting – should we call it a new era? I feel like it has to be anytime a door closes on a Hall of Fame quarterback like uh, like Ben Roethlisberger, even though towards the end it did not really resemble the prime years of Ben Roethlisberger. It is a new day. The, the, the Steelers, they go out, they draft Kenny Pickett in the first round this year. They go out, they sign Mitchell Trubisky. And that's sort of where I think the cameras are going to end up being pointed at starting training camp, Doran. And I'm wondering so far during OTAs, like the story's been, you know, Mason Rudolph uh, and, and Kenny Pickett have both, both been kind of taking second team reps with with Mitchell Trubisky taking those first team reps. Do you think that really almost regardless of how training camp goes, that the ideal scenario for Mike Tomlin, for the Steelers franchise, is to start the year with Mitchell Trubisky and ease Kenny Pickett in? Or, or do you believe that this is Kenny Pickett's job to lose in training camp? And that's why you pick a Kenny Pickett because he was kind of the most pro-ready quarterback in this draft. I, no, I, I think you absolutely have to go with Mitchell Trubisky, a guy who has made a Pro Bowl guy. You know, he's going into his sixth year uh, as an NFL quarterback. He's played a lot of football and played some good football, too. You know, he's a big guy. He can run. He can move. Things that Matt Canada, as the offensive coordinator of the Steelers, wants to do in his offense. So, as long I, – I believe as long as you can let Kenny, Kenny wait and sit and kind of – let it all brew and let it all sink in, the better. So if Mitchell Trubisky, and I believe that he's going to be the starter. I mean, he's probably going to be the starter for the whole year, in my opinion, because you can just tell that he has played so much more football than uh, Mason or Penny, obviously. But um, 
I, I think the longer that you can let this Mitchell Trubisky situation go, uh, the better it is for Kenny. And Kenny can sit back and can watch. There's a lot more things that, that come with playing in the NFL, and especially the, an, an NFL quarterback that uh, people don't even think of. It's how to be a pro. It's how to carry yourself. There's so many intangibles that you have to grasp uh, to become a successful or even just a you know a competent player in the NFL that Kenny is probably just picking up. I mean, he's only been there for, what, three, four weeks now. So I think the the best situation for the Steelers is having Mitchell Trubisky go out there and be, uh, you know, a, a good a good quarterback that they can compete with. Now, another situation, too, you know, they, you mentioned, obviously, Ben Roethlisberger retiring. And uh, is this like a transition? Is this a new era? It is, and it's not just about Ben Roethlisberger. You know, they, they Kevin Colbert, who's been their GM for 20 years, has just retired. And they just hired Omar Khan, who's been there 20 years, but – is now in the GM role. They hired Andy Weidel, who was from Pittsburgh originally, you know, worked with the Steelers for a little bit, then with the Philadelphia. Now he's coming back. He's going to be, you know, kind of the co-assistant GM too. So um, that's a whole new ball game there too. So we're looking into the future and we're looking into the present for the Steelers. How is this going to unshake? How is this going to unravel? And then you have to look into the division. The division is obviously what it is. Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, uh, possibly Deshaun Watson, who, you know, whatever that situation is going to unfold. But, you know, there's so many things and angles and views to look at for the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's almost – it's really exciting to see how this is going to, you know, play out for not just the Steelers, but for everybody in that division. It's going to be exciting. So tell me a little bit about your predictions for Najee Harris in year two um, with this Steelers offense, considering the fact that, you know, I think he was kind of reduced to not necessarily like a dump off guy, but a guy that that maybe didn't get the luxury of walking into an offense that teams were necessarily scared of that deep passing game. Now, whether it's Mitchell Trubisky or Kenny Pickett week one, sounds like in your opinion, it'll be Trubisky. There will be a better threat of a deep passing game. Deontay Johnson, obviously Chase Claypool and going out and getting George Pickens. There's definitely the bodies at the wide receiver position. And now I think there's the arm and the wherewithal at the quarterback position to get that downfield passing game more integrated into their down-to-down offense. So knowing that, knowing that there is more of a threat to a downfield passing game, A, I guess the question is going to be is can the offensive line take a step this year to open up some more running lanes for Harris? And B, can he really become one of those like Christian McCaffrey, um, I'll I'll throw in Joe Mixon, um, you know, you throw in these top I'll even throw in Leonard Fournette, who you know was in terms of receptions per game last year, four point six or targets per game, right up there with Christian McCaffrey, Mixon, and some of these pass catching backs. Is he going to kind of turn into the all around back that I think a lot of people assumed he was just going to turn into last year? I just think there was a lot of limiting factors for him to really boom the way a lot of people predicted he might his rookie year. Yeah, there really was, and obviously with Ben Roethlisberger, you know, things that are holding him back, and obviously, you know, he's a great was a great quarterback, but he just wasn't, uh, you know, up to par to of doing the things that they wanted to do. Now, this is gonna now, this is gonna sound really crazy, but not really crazy, but this is a total different like outlook on the Najee Harris situation. I personally believe that the the way Najee Harris is fully successful and will be, you know, you know, one of the best backs and players and, you know, touchers of the ball in the league is if he has a very, you know, veteran savvy, confident 
backup running back next to him. Look at Zach Moss. Look at Singletary. Like, everybody has a compliment in the backfield. Najee Harris doesn't. Najee Harris gets too many touches. He needs somebody to take the load off of him. Even whenever Le'Veon Bell was with the Steelers, he had D'Angelo Williams, you know, a veteran running back that could go in, get first downs, be smart, you know, uh, pick up blitzes, things of that nature. I think that the way that Najee Harris uh, becomes a very successful player from now and until the end of his career is as long as he has somebody that can take him out of the game mm. and not miss a beat. I, I, I really believe that. Look, and you, you mentioned Leonard Fournette, you know, what, Ronald Jones. I mean, everybody has that other guy that can, like, not miss a beat but a little bit different, and you know that you can run every play with him, and, you know, it gives Leonard Fournette a break. It gives Singletary a break. It gives, mm. you know, all these other running backs a break. Uh, Najee Harris doesn't have that. He, he needs a guy that can come in here and be, uh, no, not Najee Harris, but decent and good that can actually go and go in there and, and do good things. So I know that's a way kind of like off-base take about Najee Harris, but I honestly truly believe that, that he doesn't need to have a 1,000 touches a year. Like he needs <laughs> to be able to have, you know, the, the, the efficient touches, the efficient touches and have somebody else take the load off him every once in a while so he can actually last first season and be uh, confident. Yeah, I mean, I think he was the first rookie in NFL history to play every single snap of their week one matchup against the Bills last year. <laughs> and listen, I just, you know, from a, that's just not sustainable um, in any way. And and I think you're, I think that's a perspective and, and something that I hadn't really heard before when the conversation around Harris is how to become more effective in year two. There hasn't really been anyone saying, well, they need a true change of pace guy. And the Bills, they, you know, talking about Singletary and Moss, like, I think the real change of pace, because I think there's a lot of similarities between those two, but I would agree that when one or the other is in, there's not like this huge drop-off. But the Bills go out and draft James Cook in round two. I think that's truly the lightning to those two's thunder. And oh, I yeah. totally agree that, like, you know, to really get the best out of Najee Harris, it probably doesn't equal him playing 70 snaps a game. Oh, yeah, no, it doesn't. I mean, I mean, it, it, it's, it's a very tough position. And it's not tough, like, cerebrally, because I believe that, now, personally, of being a former player, I believe that that's the easiest transition from college to pro is to play running back. Like, you can step in there. Nothing really changes. It's just the speed of the game. But it's the toll on your body and, you know, how many times you get hit. I remember talking to Shady, LaShawn McCoy, and, and I grew up with him, uh, obviously went to pit with him, and I saw him right it might have been like right before he signed with the Bills. He was at a, a pit spring game, and I was like, how's your body feeling? He was like eight years in the league at the time. He's like, Jordan, you know I don't get hit. And I was like, you know what, you don't. I'm like, you're very smart, and you're very elusive of how you don't get hit and how you preserve your body. If you ever watch LaShawn McCoy, he's the best person to watch of how to not take big hits uh, in his mm -hmm. career. And I think if Najee Harris you know, develops that mentality, I mean, he's a big guy, 6'3", 240 pounds, He's going to want to dish out punishment. Right, He's going to want right. to be able to take punishment. But that's not the game. Like, that's not the longevity game. You have to figure out how to be, uh, you know, elusive and not take those hits so you can last longer. And the way to do that as well is to have somebody else that it can compliment you and go in there and not miss a beat that, uh, you know, coaches trust and uh, that, that can bring another dynamic to, to the offense. So I, that's why I think that he kind of needs – uh, outside, you know, externally, but internally, he needs to realize that he doesn't need to dish out punishment as much. 
former Buffalo Bill. He's also, uh, you can also hear him on our sister station, our Odyssey sister station in Pittsburgh, 93.7 The Fan. Doran Dickerson joining us here on the Western Hotline. We're talking about the Steelers. And I wanted to, to kind of get your thoughts, well, A, on this defensive side of the ball. It's sort of been the mainstay of the Steelers team for a long time. Their identity has always been that physicality, that 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 black curtain, right? And now, um, this year, again, we're talking about another sort of transition. You, Stephon Tuitt, who had been this team sort of rock in the middle of that defensive line decides to I, I think not necessarily super shockingly but it was a surprise to see him walk away from the game the way that he did and and now you know Devin Bush there's a lot of questions around whether or not you know this could be his really last chance they go out they get uh Mac out of uh you know from from uh, from Jacksonville talk to me about what the expectations are for this defense because there are parts of it that are aging and I think there are other parts of it that just have a lot of question marks maybe more so than any time I can remember in Pittsburgh yeah, there is a lot of question marks, and you, know, you bring up to it, and obviously he retired. So, uh, you know, Alu Alu is going to have to step up, and you know, got hurt last year. Uh, you know, he's he's a good player. You know, longevity player has been in the league a long time. But you know, there, there's so many question marks on the defense. Obviously, losing Joe Hayden. What you know, the cornerback position you got some young corners there. Obviously, Mickey Fitzpatrick is a very good safety. You re-signed Terrell Edmonds to a deal, but. Terrell Austin's now the defensive coordinator. So you're having a new defensive coordinator as well going along with, you know, some other moving parts on your defense. You know, Keith Butler obviously is, is gone. And now I'm not, I'm not anticipating the defense changing much, but I do believe that the more, you know, you can do as a defense, the more freedom you have. And it just reminds me of the Steelers from, you know, 15 years ago with, with, Paul Malu and Ryan Clark, they had so much freedom, and you never knew, knew who was who. Like, Paul Malu would line up on the defensive line, and you're like, do we treat him as a safety or do we treat him as a linebacker? Do we treat him as a D lineman? So the more that you're able to, to, to mentally grasp as a defense, and I think the Steelers have done this well, and I, you know, obviously referred back to the past, but the more you can do as a defense and learn as a defense, the more freedom that you will have, the more ability you will have to make plays and to do the window dressing, which where, you know, you, you show something and then you actually end up in something else. So um, there's, a, there's some holes, but you do have, you know, one of the best defensive players in the league and TJ Watt and Cam Hayward has been just a very, very solid player throughout his career and, and, and you know, will be effective, but, uh, Devin Bush, he's going to need to step up. And, you know, he has, you know, Miles Jack next to him. And I, I, I think Miles Jack being there is going to raise the level of play of, of Devin Bush. It's kind of has to. He's going to have the healthy competition. Um, I'm anticipating that. So a lot of holes, but uh, I think that they'll put it together. And the more that you can grasp as a defense mentally, the more freedom you'll have to make plays. All right, Dora, before I let you go, final question here, and I want to end it on the offensive side of the ball, <clears throat> and I want to ask about my man Clay, Chase Claypool because he was kind of the center of attention for probably the wrong reasons. Obviously, the in-game thing where he you know, doesn't know how much time's left and is kind of – 
that then the whole quote about music during practice, like he had kind of a tumultuous 2021 campaign. And I'm wondering what you think his 2022 outlook is looking like, considering with the with the new quarterback infusion, um, probably getting an opportunity to get the ball down the field more where he really can thrive. I'm a big Notre Dame guy, Doran. So tell me, is this going to be a turnaround year for Chase Claypool? He's also on my fantasy team. So I'm looking for a little insider info here, you know? <laughs> Uh, no, uh, you know, I, I sure hope so. And I, you know, I, I, I've seen situations like this a lot. You know, guys that are, you know, big, you know, can run, have so much talent. Um, you know, I, I suggested, I'm not going to name names, but a guy that was just like Chase Claypool. I was like, listen, every year I go to Minnesota and I go train with Larry Fitzgerald. I'm a tight end, but I go train with the best wide receiver in the league. And I was like, you need to come here and train. You know, he's willing to, you know, let you come here and train with him. I'm like, that's the way that you get over the top. You got to be around the best people. And if Chase Claypool wants to make that jump, I hope this offseason that he took it very serious and, you know, took his route running serious, took his catching serious, took everything that, like, hey, I actually have the ability to be a number one in the NFL, a number one wide receiver. I mean, that is a very tough uh, position to play and be that guy, knowing that you're going to get double teams, knowing that everybody's getting for you. And uh, being around guys like Andre Johnson, being around guys like Calvin Johnson, uh, seeing how they operated every day, I just really hope that Chase Claypool was starting to get that mentality a little bit. He's not probably not going to be a Calvin Johnson or Andre. They're Hall of Famers. But uh, I hope that he's really taking it serious. And I do think – I mean, he has all the intangibles to make that jump. He, is, he has everything. I mean, he you know has grittiness. He has the little things that you kind of need – it's just putting that all together, and you know, can he put that on the field when things are needed, when plays are needed? And uh, this year is going to be a little bit different because you know the offense is going to change. You're going to be able to run back Canada's quote unquote plays, and uh, I think Chase Claypool will be a big, big uh, asset to the Steelers' offense as long as he just is is honed in every single second. I think he's going to be a star. I really do. I think he'll end up being a really good football player. Yeah, it's that maturity level, and and I think if he can if he can be there in a down by down, you know, week to week perspective, um, the sky's the limit for that kid. And I'm I'm looking forward for a bounce back year campaign for him as well. Doran, thanks so much, man, for making time for me on your Saturday afternoon. I really really appreciate it. Tell the folks where they can find you uh, on Twitter and and what you got coming up here with the uh, with the start of the season uh, fastly approaching here. Yeah, at Scorn Doran on Twitter. Give me a follow. Uh, yeah, I love Buffalo. I can't wait to come back and get me a Ted's burger and Ted's hot dog. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I cannot wait to drive up there. I'm hoping to make it to a game this year. Uh, my cousin actually played there a couple of years ago, so I used to come up a little bit. But uh, at Scorn Doran on Twitter. And, and Nate, I appreciate you having me on. And listen, anytime that you want to do this, I'm down, man. I love it. Awesome, man. I will take you up on that for sure. I appreciate you. Enjoy the rest of your summer here, and we'll do it again soon, my friend. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.